0: Your world is you. I am my world. Fact. Be gone. You're listening to Burdens, the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Kaiser. Every month I tell stories about crooked priests, crestfallen kings, damaged soldiers, witches, giants, and always, prophets. Think thousands of years ago somewhere. The way it could have been, not the way it was. A world of dreams, prophecies, and wonders. A world like ours, filled with pain, tragedy, doubt, but also faith and redemption. A world where you just might encounter yourself. This is not your world not mine, it's somewhere in between, in between, in between, in between, in between, you're listening to Burdens, episode 12, Breach, part 4, well, this is the moment you all have been waiting for, the stirring conclusion of The Breach. I'm going to start this episode with an apology. When I started to serialize a story, I thought I would be able to put one out every two weeks. I thought it would work like clockwork. I just had this idea in my head. I scheduled it on the calendar. It was going to come out and people would be anticipating it and it would drop exactly when it was supposed to. And that, of course, never happened. So I'm sorry about that. I. I'm juggling a lot of stuff in my schedule. I planned this during the holidays, which was probably a really bad idea. But here we are, we're finally finishing it. And if I can't say that I put one out every two weeks, at least I can say that you're getting more than one episode per month. We are on episode 12, and I believe the first episode of Burdens came out in April of 2021. At this recording, it is Valentine's Day, February the 14th, 2022, so I'm a little ahead of one per month, though not by much. I'm not sure if I will try to serialize stories in the future or not. A lot of that depends on you, if you like that kind of thing or not. Um, I'm pretty sure the next one is short enough for me to handle all in one episode, so be looking for that to come out in March but you didn't come here to hear about next month you came here to hear about the conclusion and to get all your questions answered will Beth and Eli make up will Eli ever get out of the 21st century and be able to return to his time in his land to his people uh, what's Zozo all about and what's his role in this and and Joshua will he play a role in it as well All those questions will be answered, and we'll get hopefully a nice message about the universality of humanity and how we're all connected in some way. This is The Breach, Part 4. I hope you enjoy. The Breach, Chapter 7. Early one morning before daybreak, Eli dreamed he was upwind from a magnificent 12-point stag its head down in the knee-high grass of the meadow. He slid an arrow from the quiver, set the notch in the bowstring, and rested the shaft on the shelf of his forefinger. He sighted the stag, drew back the bow till the limbs were fully extended, and took aim. His vision was excellent, like that of an eagle, and he concentrated on a point just behind its shoulder. He inhaled deeply. The air was fresh and cool, and the breeze stirred the grass in the field. He focused on the animal's hide, then the fur, then individual strands of hair. There was movement, as if parasites burrowed under the skin were crawling, tunneling in the fur. On closer inspection, he saw that not parasites, but individual strands of hair were moving independently of one another, seemingly unrooted from their follicles, milling in and out as people in a crowd. As Eli watched, the hair became heads, heads he knew and could identify. Zozo was there, as was Beth, Joshua, Maica and her husband, and Isla. He was there, too. All humanity from before and after the breach were mingling as hair on a single hide. His arrow trembled. The wind picked up. The stag bolted. An explosion. Eli woke up in a start, heart pounding. A loud boom somewhere nearby, in the city, had shaken him from his slumber. Later that morning, Zozo burst through the door of Eli's room, red-faced and panting. Get your stuff, he said. It's time for you to go. Zozo, what is this? What's happening? I'll explain on the way. Come on. But why? Tell me what's happening. There's no time. Come. Now. The city was on edge. Fewer people were on the streets. Those who were out wore tense expressions on their faces and walked briskly with purpose. Zozo weaved through the anxious pedestrians with remarkable agility and speed for a man his size. It was hard for Eli to keep up. And he grew more irritated with every step. Zozo, is this about the explosion I heard this morning? He stopped. I refuse to take another step until you tell me what's going on. Zozo sighed and motioned for Eli to follow him into a dark alleyway. The explosion you heard this morning was caused by a young Palestinian man, he said. He strapped explosives to his body under his clothing, walked up to a bus stop, and blew himself up killing eight people and injuring several others. More suicide bombers could be out there. Because of the threat, the authorities have set up security checkpoints all over the city and are checking everyone's IDs. So, so, Sozo took a breath to summon his patience. If you're caught, you will never be able to explain your situation. You have no evidence of who you are or where you came from, you're one checkpoint away from spending the rest of your life in a maximum security prison for terrorists and enemies of the state. Where are we going? I can't explain now. It's too dangerous to loiter around out here. Zozo raced through the city, with Eli trailing behind, barely able to keep up. They would be headed in one direction as fast as they could go, when all of a sudden the larger man would bring their pace to an abrupt stop, change directions, and lead Eli by some sinuous path through a market or obscure alleyway under stringed lights and clothes hanging out to dry. Ear-bleeding horns screamed in the air, Zozo called them sirens, and voices shouted in unknown tongues. At one point, when their course threatened to lead them into the path of a pair of young Israeli soldiers, Zozo forcibly grabbed Eli's arm, detouring him out of their sight. Eli tried not to guess where they were going for fear that by taking his attention off the tour guide for one moment, he might lose him and never see him again. After almost an hour of zigzagging through the city, the streets started to look familiar. They were nearing Beth's flower shop. Soon Eli saw the sign bearing two red roses and letters woven with thorn-laden stems. Without explanation, Zozo burst through the door with a bewildered Eli trailing behind him. Beth and Joshua looked up when they entered, having been disturbed from their respective engagements. Beth from a careworn trance on her stool behind the counter, and Joshua from tracing another constellation of stars while sitting on an ample cushion in the corner. Zozo, will you please slow down and tell me what's going on, Eli demanded. Zozo composed himself, and a little of the old, affable light returned to his face. Eli, it's time for you to go home. What do you know about my home? Zozo looked over at Beth, who was propped on the edge of her stool, watching the drama unfolding in the middle of the shop, then turned back to Eli. Zozo, I asked you a question. The tour guide took out a handkerchief and mopped the sweat from his forehead and the back of his neck. Eli, he said, your uncle was right. Eli swallowed. How do you know about my uncle? Well, he was wrong about the stars. Stars are balls of flaming gas light-years away from the earth, but he was right about the angels. We are watching. We are always watching. Zozo touched the empty air beside him, and it began to ripple and wave. Eli's head swam. The floor felt like it was moving, and a breeze began to blow in the room. Beth recognized the changes from before, She ran to Eli and embraced him. "'Don't,' she said to Zozo. "'Don't take him,' she looked up at Eli. "'You can stay here. Learn to make it in our world. Build a new life for yourself.' "'I'm afraid that's not possible,' said Zozo. "'He doesn't belong here.' "'But we've had so little time,' she said. "'Can't you give us a little more time?' "'Time?' Zozo asked. "'What is time?' "'Sand falling from one glass bulb to another.' a pendulum swinging, a mark on the face of a clock, morning and evening, the earth going around the sun, that is all. Humans make so much of time without ever considering what it really is. Time is but a construct of eternity. The days are segments of one's life, the seconds slices of the same existence. Remove the numbers from the face of the clock, and what happens? Do you disappear? Does the earth implode? No, all things continue to exist as before. He smiled and shook his head as if he were trying to instruct a class full of school children. God gave you days, seasons, and years for signs so you could remember his steadfast love for you by keeping track of his mercies and good deeds. Time was given as a gift to help you. It was never meant to come between you. Think not of time, you have now now is momentous. Now is always and unbroken. When a mother gives birth and her life departs as her child's life arrives, do you think their short time together makes her any less his mother than she would be if they had another 50 years? Of course not. Those few moments with her baby seal her motherhood in eternity. She has held him to her bosom, claimed him in her heart as her own, and that is enough to form an eternal bond. Is it tragic? Yes. The child will have to grow up without her nurturing hand to lead him. But these two, mother and son, will not be any less connected because of time. In her final embrace, there is eternity. You humans say, time is short. I don't have time. There is so little time. All wrong. There is no time. There is only now. The breach Zozo had opened was widening, and the wind was building in the room. Beth had both arms around Eli, and her head rested on his shoulder. Don't go, she said. You just got here. There's so much more to say. I'm so sorry. Eli gently released her embrace, he held her by the shoulders. And looked into her brown eyes, the only eyes that understood. I don't belong here, he said. You know that. You belong with me. Yes, I believe so, but not here. Eli, who is going to believe us? The wind blew so hard now that they had to lean into it to maintain their footing. Flowers and debris flew around the room, The air was charged with electricity, and the floor felt like it was moving. The boy leapt from his corner and stood between Eli and the undulating air, three steps from ancient history, and he looked at Eli with large expectant eyes. The portal Zozo had created pulled him backwards, and he lost his footing, but Eli caught him with one hand and tussled his hair with the other. Goodbye, Joshua, ravager of walls. He gave Zozo a nod. And stepped in front of the widening rift i'm ready he turned back for one last look watch the stars beth i will watch them too then he stepped through the breach chapter eight a tremendous sucking noise almost broke his eardrums and then silence fell all around him eli was home he turned to see the breach he had just passed through black smoke still billowed out of the wounded wall, but this time it wasn't so terrifyingly opaque. Eli could see through it to the other side of the wall. He surveyed the abandoned landscape surrounding the city and saw the bodies lying on the ground. The sun set high in the sky. It was daytime here. How much time, if any, had passed on this side of the wall? It occurred to him that, from the perspective of his own world, he had been in the breach for Only a few seconds. To a passive observer, it might have appeared that Eli had merely taken a few cautious steps through the damaged wall, sucked in the foul black air, stepped on the soft body of one of his fallen comrades, and retreated after changing his mind. He made the camp by nightfall. As expected, his fellow survivors huddled around the tepid glow of a dung fire in the rocky outcropping where they had been hiding for nearly a month. Anxiously waiting his return. Eli, you made it, said one of the men. What are you wearing? asked another, giving him a puzzled look. Eli had forgotten about the clothes. He looked down and awkwardly straightened the tropical shirt. What did you find? interrupted another. Have the hostiles abandoned the city? Were there any survivors? Eli tried several responses in his head before answering. I couldn't enter the city, he said so said one of the men as he hung his head we cannot return i didn't say that the hostels appear to have returned to their kingdom i did not encounter any resistance upon my approach murmuring buzzed throughout the camp eli's words didn't make sense and the people were too hungry and exhausted for games then why didn't you go into the city and take a look around one of them asked i don't know how to explain it all i can say is that the city is not ruined. I think we should return and try to rebuild our lives. But how can you know this, one of them protested. I think we should take our chances in Gibeah. Do that, said Eli, and you will die before you reach the gates. Our future lies in Jerusalem. Arguments broke out in the camp over what to do. Eli had to convince them, but how could he show them what he had seen? How would he ever get them to believe him? "'Tell us the truth, Eli,' someone said. "'Where have you been? "'Where did you get those ridiculous garments?' "'Eli searched his mind for a plausible answer. "'While nervously smoothing the front of his shirt, "'his hand passed over a bulge in his left shirt pocket, "'and a thought occurred to him. "'Mica, quick, bring that torch so I can have some light,' Eli ordered. "'He pulled the map out of his shirt pocket, "'unfolded it, and spread it out on a flat rock.' Its sharp, colorful print stunned the camp into silence. "'What sorcery is this?' cried a woman, convulsed with fear. "'It's not sorcery,' Eli tried to explain. "'I don't know how, but when I entered the breach in the city wall, "'I saw Jerusalem, but not our Jerusalem. "'It was a Jerusalem from another time in the future. "'I picked up these clothes and this map while I was there.' The people huddled around the map and peered at it with astonished faces. No one said anything. Some wanted to tell Eli he was crazy, but they couldn't explain the map. No one had ever seen paper so glossy or printing so detailed and rich and colorful. There's more. Eli pulled Joshua's tracing paper out of his pocket. He spread it over the map so that Jerusalem's future showed through the constellations The boy had sketched. Do you recognize this? he asked. It's the great bear and the little bear of the northern skies, said an old man. That's correct, said Eli. An exceptional young boy drew these and gave them to me as a present. See the onion skin paper? It's unlike anything I've ever seen in our time. Nothing disturbed the hush that had fallen over the camp, except for the hiss of the fire and the chirping of the oblivious crickets raking their jagged legs. I know it's hard to believe, but I was somehow transported thousands of years into the future. Jerusalem is still there. It's different, as you can see, but it survives, and we will become a part of its long, wild history. That is why I say we should return. Two thousand years from now, Jerusalem will sleep under the same sky we've been camping under all these weeks. Eli left the map with Joshua's drawing, overlaying it on the rock for the others to study. It would take them some time, but he knew they would follow him back to Jerusalem, where they would rebuild their homes. He knew it, because he had seen the city. They and many others would rebuild, again and again through war after war. He thought of Beth and Joshua, who had not yet been born, and somehow felt their presence Long after his death, they would think of him. And then thousands, maybe millions of years later, when God is finished with the earth, what then? Does he create human beings, each one a living miracle, only to let them burn out like a lonely sun? Or are we one great constellation too large to see from our individual segments of time and space? Will we one day see its incomparable shape? Away from the campfire, The stars shone more brightly, burning holes in the bleak vastness of the night sky, and Eli thought of his uncle. Listen carefully, lad, and you can hear them singing God's praises in their unnatural tongues. Clear away the distractions and silence every thought so you can hear them. Most are deaf to heaven's strains. Can you hear them? No. "'Well, give it time. "'I could not hear them when I was your age. "'But I kept listening. "'Aye, I did not give up, "'and I began to hear those angels singing. "'Now as my time to join them draws nigh. "'It's getting so that they're all that I can hear, "'roaring in my ears like a hundred waterfalls. "'What are they telling me, you ask?' "'I can't understand much of it, my boy.' but I get the sense that they want us to know that heaven sees far more of Earth than we see of it. It's as if their floor of glass is at the same time a dark hood forming a ceiling above us. Always remember that heaven looks upon you, boy. Never forget. Heaven sees. And because heaven sees, you matter. Thank you for listening all the way to the conclusion of The Breach. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a little different kind of story than I've told in the past. It's the first time that I've written really of modern times, but I was working it into the world that we've been working in throughout Burdens from the very first episode. I'm glad that you listened to it and hope that you've caught up on all the other stories. If not, they're all out there on iTunes. And I want to ask you a favor. I want to ask you to reach out to your friends, to family members, to other people that might be interested in these stories, and tell them about the podcast. Use social media. Word of mouth works, too. Just tell people about it so more can listen. We want as many listeners as possible. Also, you can leave me a rating and review on iTunes. That always helps. And you can subscribe on iTunes or anywhere else where you get your podcasts. While you're waiting on the next episode to drop, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or you can look me up at DrewKaiser.com. Thanks for listening. We'll have another episode out next month.